Whistleblower Report, exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Hello, this is Nicole Landers, Nurse Advisor at Truth for Health Foundation. Today's pediatric segment is very special. We introduce to you three amazing men, Christian leaders in their home, who share with us actions they took in Maine to stand for their families and for their community with the public school system at a board meeting. Listeners, I cannot more impress upon each and every one of you how biblically significant this event was. Our Lord lays out for us a a path of authority for his church and for his people. And he promises that the gates of hell cannot prevail against his church. In Matthew 16, 18, he says, and I tell you, Peter, Peter, the little rock, that on this rock, Christ, the big rock, he will build his church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. This is huge. And there's power. There's power in this for each and every one of us as we're all made in the image of God. And throughout all of scripture, God lays out how significant this delegation of authority handed down to men, you and I, women and men made in the image of God, this delegation of authority has been handed down to us each in our own kind. God is a God of order, not of chaos. God created a divine order for each one of us, women and men. But I cannot emphasize enough how critical it is for men in our society, Christian men, to stand up and take the authority that they've been given in Christ as leaders of their home and of their communities. In a world that tells men they have such little significance, they're not important, all the societal messages push them down. Well, listeners, there's a reason for that. The adversary knows that when Christian men stand up, when Christian men say we stand on the truth and the power of of Christ and of God's word, it shakes the mountains. All through scripture, from Genesis to Titus to Ephesians, through Philippians, Matthew, (laughs) and all the way to the end. We see over and over again the divine order of God 
and the power that comes from honoring his word and his ways. I just want to encourage the listener as you hear Dr. Robles and I talk to these three amazing, godly warriors that you understand just how powerful this is and what a model it can be, shaking the core and building something strong throughout our communities across the country. As someone who's done educational advocacy um, in my state and across the nation for a number of years now, I can tell you the mama bears coming out. It's great. It's wonderful for us to come out. And we are out there. We are doing the fight. We are going to the board meetings and standing up for our kids. But whoa, when the men come out, it shakes the foundations of these corrupt systems. And you're going to hear that in our interview this this day. It's powerful. It's compelling. And it's a model. It's a model for us each to follow in encouraging our Christian male leaders to come out and speak and just their presence. When you hear how just their presence makes a difference, whew, gives you goosebumps all over. I certainly do hope and pray that each listener today is encouraged by our interview and will take this back into each one of your communities and raise a voice and bolster up your men in the Lord. I lift prayers for each one of you in your time this morning, and I thank you so very much for being a part of the Truth For Health community. God bless each and every one of you. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com, seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. Well, hello everyone. Cole Landers and Dr. Monique Robles here with you today on the Whistleblower Report pediatric segment. We are super, super excited to have with us today three very special guests, uh, Mike Gary, Steve Sousey, and Ryan Clark. And today we are going to be talking about some actions you can take um, to speak up and advocate for your your student or your grandchild um, in ways that can help uh, promote educational freedoms. Monique? Yes, that's right, Nicole. We have, um, we're in a crisis in our country with all the ideologies that are being uh, forced upon our children from critical race theory to gender ideology. Our children are uh, being brought up in disorder when they should be taught order and how to um, develop appropriately in life. So 
We're going to get started and jump right in because there's a lot to cover and we want to give these three amazing gentlemen all the time in the world. So um, let's just go ahead and get started. Mike, uh, Steve and Ryan, who, who would like to go first? Nicole, it's I will go first as kind of uh, the organizer initiator of some of it. So you want me to jump right in with? Uh, yeah, my... tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then let's just launch right in because this is exciting stuff. Well, as you know, Nicole, um, I'm uh, Michael Gary. Uh, I have a wife, Jessica, and uh, four <clears throat> children. Uh, three are girls, one is a boy. And uh, as you as you are aware, and Dr. Valit's aware, I'm currently a part-time soldier for the National Guard, 25 years of service. And I also do part-time uh, consulting and volunteer work for Dr. Vliet for the Truth for Health Foundation. Uh, she's been very generous to my family and I and uh, using the skills that I developed in the military. And again, anything that I say today is, is not uh, on the DOD's behalf. It's as me as a free citizen speaking my own opinions uh, and not representing the Department of Defense. Okay, so in... Maine, uh, over the last COVID three years now, <laughs> we have experienced uh, extreme mandates and uh, we've lost a lot of terrain, as I say it here in Maine, uh, with as it goes to, uh, pertains to laws and regulations, and uh, it's definitely having an effect on families in this state. So I would consider Maine one of the worst states uh, after, you know, as we're trying to get back to normal, right? Maine is still one of the lingering uh, states. We have not brought nurses or doctors back in that are unvaccinated. Uh, we have EMS, you have to be vaxxed to be in that. And those systems are breaking down because of it. We see the hospitals, EMS breaking down and the same with the military here in the state. So, uh, what I feel like the main attack is, is the anti-Christian movement uh, and it's being pushed through, it's being pushed through uh, government and state entities and we've been uh, pushed out in the military. It's like the Patriot Purge is the, it's, as its reference and, you know, likewise in the other um, professions. So I'm deeply concerned with this. And uh, for a while now, I've thought about, you know, rallying the troops per se, rallying especially Christian men to, to change something. And as we've seen a movement across the nation to go to the school boards, town boards, and do it at the grassroots, grassroots level. My daughter even has opened up a turning point chapter here in Maine. Uh, in, at, the, at the moment she opened, it was the only one. There's more and more standing up. There's more and more interest for uh, conservative Christians meeting in these local towns here in central Maine. So it's, it's motivating. So we want to keep that uh, momentum going, that initiative going. So uh, in December of 2022, I became aware of a, um, uh, a play that they had. And on the play, you know, agenda instead of telling what the play was about they had every child's pronouns listed in in a description of it and i was trying to figure out what is this play about it had the title but i had no idea what the play was about because it was about the pronouns so i was like here we go winslow maine which tended in my opinion again i'm not in the school system my kids are homeschooled like so many are in our church at new beginnings here in waterville maine 
uh, I started to realize that there was a there was an intentional move in the school system to start weeding out Christian or any Christian theology. It, this was kind of like the final nail in the coffin. So in January, I decided to uh, rally some Christian men to go to the school board. Prior to that, my good friend uh, Steve Susi, he'll I'll let him introduce himself in a minute here. We have been talking over the last, I would say, six months or more about the things that are going on uh, in the state, in our local community, in the nation as a whole. Him and I also share a military background together, and we've worked together throughout the years. So we, we are close friends, and he's been battling the school board. So I had the intention to support him in that effort, and I rallied Christian men at the church. Uh, I think it was on Sunday, 29 January of 2023. Uh, I felt like I would have at least a handful of men show up to that after the conversation we had, you know, when church service ended. Um, on the morning of 30 January of 2023, uh, I called Steve and I let him know uh, that I had men coming that night because Steve was planning this thing. I'll let him talk about it to... to uh, to present something to the school board, he was going to point out what they were doing. And uh, so in support, I was going to bring the group. Um, I was pleasantly surprised that more came. But before that, the morning I called Steve, Steve was in a really low place. Like I found myself, and I'm sure like many others have found themselves through, especially these COVID three years, he was doubting, and he wasn't sure that he was actually going to follow through and do it. And uh, I called him at the right moment. He needed that final inspiration to kind of bring him over the finish line to do what he needed to do. And it was a big thing that Steve did. And I would say what Steve did uh, has a profound effect on this community of Central Maine because we're hearing about Republican groups coming together and meeting in people's houses now, which is, I've never heard this before. We're hearing about groups going to other school boards. So what Steve did was like the first shot in, uh, in uh, taking back this terrain uh, that we should have never let go in the first place. So, so, so Mike, I just want to, I just want to step in and say this. First of all, thank you. Thank you, Matt. You're, you're brave men that stepped up and went forward. Thank you for that. There needs to be a lot more of that happening in our country. But as someone who's been an educational advocate nationally for many years now, this is exactly what's needed is Christian men. That authority that you have as leaders and um, on behalf of the Lord to go out and say, no, this is powerful. And it doesn't surprise me to hear that it ignited a local movement um, because it it there's more commonality in in our society than we realize or understand. There's more of us that think, hey, this isn't right. And it takes the leadership and authority of strong and godly men to step up and say, no, this is not the direction we're going to go. Well, and Nicole, yeah. I want to, and I want to add to that too, as well, um, that family is the basic unit of society and men as leaders of their family and protectors of the children 
This is exactly what needs to happen. So thank you. I agree. So we noticed uh, that night uh, reading people's body language when we actually had nine men show up uh, that the body language of the school board was they were uh, very outwardly shaken by our presence, okay? So much so that when the superintendent opened the board meeting, he nearly broke the gavel and he jumped. I got people laughing in the background here because he, he, he uh, jumped the whole school board that was around the table. So that told me he couldn't control his emotions. He was so nervous and filled with adrenaline that that uh, he slammed it down, not meaning to. I think he had even surprised him by his reaction. So um, from then on, uh, the the board fell into our hands. We took it over and things have, have transpired in, in our favor since then. Uh, what we noticed, one of the outcomes of this is for the concert in the springtime, I believe, they were planning on playing uh, Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl and some other LGBTQ songs, well, they've since changed their mind. They've since removed these songs, and now uh, they're going to have to uh, go back undercover with their motives now. So they can't do it out in the open like they were, they were going to. And then um, the final thing that I have to contribute to this is that Wednesday night um, after the, the, uh, the meeting, uh, we have Bible study here, and uh, Steve had told me that he was very glad that I called him. He needed that bit of encouragement to do this final thing. So that Wednesday night at Bible study, I told the men that showed up, I got up, you know, for 60 seconds or so, and I just thanked them. And I said, see, all you got to do is show up. Because a lot of a lot of men think, like, when you put them on the spot and ask them to do this thing, they think they got to speak they think they might have to puff their chest out. They think they might have to actually do uh, something that they're unprepared for. Well, you need to get over that. You've got to get over that feeling. All it required that night was for Christian men to show up. The speakers were already set. God knew who was going to compel to speak. And we have one of those here, too. It's Ryan um, that you'll you'll talk with later. But But, you know... You just got to show up and make your presence known. That's like shining the light of God where you go. You're bringing Christ into this decision thing, and they can't avoid it from there on out. That is just fantastic. And listeners, it does take the Christian men. I'm here to tell you as a national advocate, I sit on a reform panel with uh, AEI. Um, it takes Christian men. The women are out there. We, we've been doing this. We're advocating. We're at board meetings. But there is something powerful about this leadership that silences evil in a room. Mike, thank you so much for sharing. So who, who do we get the honor to talk to next? Yeah, Steve? Good morning. Uh, Hi. Steve Susie. Hi, Steve. Good morning. Hey, thank you. Uh, thank you for having us on uh, the podcast. We really appreciate the, the platform and the opportunity to, uh, to voice our concerns and, and to get the word out um, about what we're doing here in, in little old Winslow, Waterville, Maine. Um, and, and big kudos to Mike. Um, you know, again, I, I really was 
I, I did not intend to speak uh, that following night at the uh, school board meeting. I was just at a point where, you know, it's just me. No other parents are showing up. It doesn't matter. And Mike called at the right time and, and uh, gave me some, some very strong words of encouragement. Um, and uh, I was extremely thankful to see the rest of the Christian men that showed up that night in support. And again, you know, it, it's a matter of just showing up. You don't have to say anything if you don't want to. Um, just that presence uh, was extremely helpful, and, and I'm so thankful. Um, so, <clears throat> like Mike, uh, I served in the military. I have 23 years of active duty service. Um, I retired in 2011, and I have uh, my wife Kimberly and I. Uh, we have three boys together, and I have an older son um, that lives in a, a different country. Um, but so, so I have a different perspective because I've been able to see three of my boys go through the school system, the Winslow school system. And it is very interesting to see how things have changed because my older son, Jake, uh, graduated in 2018 and all of this stuff is foreign to him. So if you talk about any sort of transgender ideology in school, he has he never saw it. It, it doesn't mean anything to him. My, my middle son, Austin, um, he's, he's heard about this stuff and, he, and he's, he's seen a lot of the transgender things creeping up in the lower grades as he was graduating in, in 2020. And then my youngest son, Sean, he's currently a sophomore in high school and he is completely enveloped in this whole transgender ideology. It's all around, um, all around him at school. You know, the, the last time we, my, Kim, my wife Kimberly and I went to a um, parent-teacher conference, we walked the hallways of the school and there are more rainbows than you could shake a stick at. Many of the classrooms have rainbow safe space stickers on the classroom doorway. Some do, some don't. Um, and then there are posters describing the, you know, 72 different genders that you can be because you can be anything you want to be. And it was just very disturbing to, to see that. It was so in your face. Um, so, you know, we, we over time grew very concerned as, as to what was happening in our little old Winslow School District. And through a lot of research um, and speaking with other uh, parents, um, we, we, we came across some things that were very disturbing. Um, so that's that's really the intro there, and I guess I would uh, go back a little bit to um, uh, I guess it was in the late fall. Um, I, I started hearing more about a transgender, gender expansive school policy, and I, I was concerned. I was like, I've, I've never heard of that. I didn't know we had one. Where is it? Um, so I, I went into the uh, the school's website. I looked up the policy. Lo and behold, we had one. It didn't mean much. I read through it. Um, and then it was the end of November that another school district in Maine, uh, the West Paris or Paris, Maine school district, they had 200 parents and a few state representatives show up at their school board meeting referencing this transgender and gender expansive policy. So that really piqued my interest um, because there seemed to be a lot of uh, ongoings about this particular policy. 
So I, as I dug into it more and started reading through it, this particular policy was actually crafted um, by a leftist lobbyist um, law firm called Drummond Woodson located in Portland, Maine. So they crafted this boilerplate policy and sent it throughout all the school districts in Maine. And you could either opt in or opt out. Many of the school districts opted in. Uh, on the premise that transgendered kids are covered under the main um, Human Rights Act. So because of that, uh, we have to have a specific policy to ensure that we provide them a safe environment for learning. So you can see where, where some of that uh, agenda is going. Um, so Mike, may I interrupt really quickly? So you're absolutely. telling me that basically they are going to law firms to institute these policies. So it's more of a legal protection for the schools to institute these to protect children who identify um, as different genders. That, that's correct. And this particular law firm is a, a frequent flyer for many of the school districts um, in that uh, they not only like I, I found out that that law firm was meeting with our school district, the building administrators and uh, the superintendent uh, and some of the faculty and counselors to to discuss a another document that they crafted, which was a transgender gender expansive uh, plan for students that come out as transgender. Um, and all of this stuff is kind of going under the radar and, and you know, parents aren't aware of this. Uh, so um, IFOAD, which is uh, Maine's version of FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act, um, I FOIAed the school for all of the information pertaining to that particular training event. And um, I, I have all of those notes and, and the handouts. And it's Drummond Woodson saying, you know, coming together with the school districts with another boilerplate policy on how to handle transgender kids. Um, and basically, all of the rights go to the student. Whatever the student wants, that's what you, you know, you placate towards. So it takes your breath away. Um... And, and, and surely the students that are gender confused need support and help, but all of the rights going to these students to the detriment of everyone else is where the problem is. As, as Christians, we love and we recognize these students are confused and there's a spiritual assault. It's all out war on these children and there's compassion and love for them, but to the detriment of all the other students around, this is unacceptable. And to see the schools utilize uh, these legal supports is, is a, it's frankly terrifying. It, it really is. Um, you know, the, the way I look at it is this law firm is really working both ends of the stick. So they provide these boilerplate policies and they're just waiting for an incident to occur, which we've had numerous in the state of Maine. Um, probably the most um, damaging incident was in Damariscotta, Maine, where a school counselor was found to have provided a chest binder for a female student that was wanting to transition to male uh, and kept everything. Matter of fact, encouraged and counseled the student to keep it from the parents. 
So you're not only uh, mentally transitioning a student at school by using the pronouns that they want or the alternate names that they want, but you're also now physically transitioning uh, a student by providing them medical devices um, that can cause harm um, and, and, and lifelong damage. So those Mike, incidents th are- Thank you for pointing that out because that is so important. So basically it's practicing medicine outside of medicine, because I'm sure that this individual, this counselor did not provide informed consent, which is required with any procedure and with any um, therapy. Now, Absolutely. granted, chest binders are not therapy. Those are restrictive. They're harmful, restrict the breathing. There have been reports of fractures, rib fractures. So all of these are detrimental consequences, let alone the mental um, uh, detriments that are happening. But this is practicing medical procedures outside of medicine, which holds legal consequences. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the mother, the only way she found out was she found the chest binder in her daughter's bedroom and started asking questions. Um, and she, she's now um, has secured legal counsel and will take action against the school district, which is great. And it all revolved around the same time that I was made aware of an email from a Winslow High School counselor that went out to 86 recipients um, within the school district. So it, it went not only to other teachers, but it went to uh, food service workers. It went to janitors and, and facility maintenance workers that a particular child in the Winslow, Winslow School District was wanting to transition from female to male. She wanted to be called no less by the new name of Damien. Oh. And uh, and Mike, we're gonna we're gonna hold yeah. right there yeah. as we go out to break. I was gonna and say we wanna, yeah. <laughs> we wanna complete that story um, and allow you to uh, develop it for us. Yeah, Perfect. we're Here's gonna come back talking about FERPA violations here on the pediatric segment of the Whistleblower Report brought to you by Truth for Health Foundation. Uh, we would love for you to check out our website at www.truthforhealth.org. We're hoping that you will find a plethora of information there to learn and grow from. We'd like to encourage you to sign up for our newsletter alerts and join us in our fight for medical freedom. We will be right back. Hello, everyone. This is Lieutenant Mark Bashaw, U.S. Army and legal grant recipient of the Truth for Health Foundation. I want to give a huge shout out to the Truth for Health Foundation for helping me and my family over the past year with our legal battles. Recently, I was court-martialed for not participating with these experimental COVID-19 emergency use authorized products. If it wasn't for Truth for Health Foundation and all the support, I would definitely be in a worse spot. But because of all the support, I'm able to continue uniform service, fighting for what's right to protect the Constitution against enemies, foreign and domestic. God bless each and every one of you, and God bless America. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. 
Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. For 40 years, alarmists have been warning of a climate catastrophe, yet none of their dire predictions have come true. Temperatures have not soared, sea level rise has not been unusual, and extreme weather events have not increased in either frequency or intensity. In short, there is no climate emergency. For 15 years, the International Climate Science Coalition has led the call for climate realism and a Made in America climate plan a plan based on real science that responds to the real-world needs of Americans, supports economic growth, and strengthens our essential infrastructure, a plan that protects the environment and ensures that Americans can enjoy the blessings of clean air, clean land, and clean water for generations to come. It's time to put ideology and pseudoscience aside. It's time for a sensible climate plan. For more information or to donate, visit our website, icsc-climate.com Thank you for joining us and coming back. We are privileged to have uh, Mike, Gary, and um, other men who are speaking about uh, the, the detrimental effects of transitioning children under the radar in schools in Maine. And when we went out for break, we left off at something extremely critical uh, that Steve was talking about, and that is FERPA violation. This is federal law. This is a very serious thing, and we're going to pick right up from there. Steve, take it away. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so in reference to the email uh, that the Winslow uh, School Counselor sent out, it, it basically stated to 86 recipients, again, including food service workers, custodial workers, and other educators within the school district, that a particular student um, wanted to be called by a new name, uh, Damien no less, uh, and wanted to use certain pronouns, he, they. Um, and also, uh, the, the key statement in that message was that the parents were not uh, on board yet and essentially this was going to stay at school and kept hidden from the parents uh, which is a FERPA violation um, on a couple of different levels one because the school counselor sent it out to people that did not have a need to know so 86 recipients was excessive um, it went to people that did not need to know what the student's intentions were um, and and also keeping it from the parents intentionally uh, because it's the student's wishes. 
And uh, it, it's funny because there's their school policy uh, when it comes to privacy uh, and their policy on transgender and gender expansive students is extremely vague. Uh, and it leaves a lot of room for educators to be able to keep things from parents. And so that's what we're trying to address with, um, with our school board is that we know you're violating uh, federal, state, and your own policy laws, uh, and it needs to stop. And, and this actually, this policy really just needs to go away. Uh, we hope to be able to affect uh, a change uh, similar to what they did in, in Paris, Maine, which was when those 200 parents showed up with their local state representatives, they um, basically destroyed that policy. That policy does not exist in that school district now where it had before. Um, so that's a, a great success. And that's what we're trying to affect here in the Waterville uh, Winslow uh, school districts. Um, we're, we're also working on um, getting folks together that are like-minded. A group has formed in Waterville, Maine, uh, which is a, a local Republican committee, grassroots, meeting at uh, somebody's house. Uh, we've recently started the same thing in Winslow. So we have Winslow uh, residents uh, that are, are Christian Republicans that are meeting uh, on, a, on a monthly basis. And we've formed under two primary goals. Uh, to identify those members of the school board, what their party affiliation is, and to remove them uh, from their seat uh, through local um, elections. Uh, and to do the same with the, with the town councils um, and, and get our, our school districts and our towns back on the right course. This is amazing, guys. This is very, very compelling and powerful. And I can tell you from years as a parent advocate, I worked uh, on the issue of school violence and bullying. Um, the school boards, the local uh, councils, they are not used to the citizens coming out in mass and addressing them about policies and, and you know, practices and procedures. They're not accustomed to it. They are especially not accustomed to men such as yourselves coming out. It works and it has to be at the ground level, the grassroots level. And I just want to encourage the listener. Um, it, you can check this out if you, if you Google uh, Nicole Landers, um, L-A-N-D-E-R-S, up will pop a plethora of articles, news articles about my family um, and actions that we took after my, um, my uh, young daughter was sexually assaulted in an elementary school in Baltimore County, Maryland. And my son was bullied so severely that I found him sitting in the dark with a suicide note on his chest in the fourth grade year. Um, a result of grassroots actions, uh, parents, including myself and an amazing uh, state delegate, Christian Neely, uh, addressing the school board. Uh, collectively, uh, we were able to accomplish meeting the U.S. Secretary of Education, and my daughter was invited to advocate for 50 million U.S. public school students. We won our grassroots effort to repeal a Dear Colleague letter federally that was in the way 
Um, and my daughter helped uh, transform some uh, some national uh, regulation re revolving around um, sexual assaults in school. It it can be done. It, it can be done, but it starts in the communities, exactly like what you're saying. It doesn't start at the high level coming down. It has to start at the ground going up. And this is actually the model that God has for us. We, we are to be active in our communities. It is our job and responsibility. And when we start at the ground level, we can build something strong. This is just amazing, guys. Um, I know we want to give time for Ryan to talk. So, <laughs> Ryan, come on over. All right. Thank you. Yes. All right. So my name is uh, Ryan Clark, and I have uh, three children. I'm married. And I just wanted to share, I guess, briefly at the beginning. I know we talked a lot about the importance of men stepping up, which I absolutely agree with. Uh, but I would like to point out uh, when my oldest was in second grade, my middle child was in kindergarten, my wife was the one who really approached me and said she wanted to start homeschooling the kids. And I, I was sort of resistant to that at first because I was like, well, you know, I always went to public school. She went to public school. It was just sort of assumed, you know, I don't drive a new pickup truck right now. I don't own a $500,000 house right now, partly because we homeschool. You know, my wife's a brilliant woman. She's valedictorian. She could very easily make a lot of money. Um, but she sort of saw the writing on the wall long before I did with, with what was coming and what's happening in the schools even back then. My oldest is going to be married here this year, and so you know she's she's grown up now. Um, but even even back then, there were problems. So I would like to emphasize that I, I think it's you know a full fifty percent you know belongs to the women, just like the men, and the importance of all of us stepping up. Um, and I guess when I when I first heard about this, you know, and Steve really shone a light on a lot of this, and so I, I commend him for that. His work towards uh, sort of the whistleblowing and getting the word out about what's going on. But really, what struck me was just the delusions of grandeur. From that school counselor the arrogance that it must take to sort of think that i know better what's best for these children than their own parents do and what anybody else knows and not only to be able to believe that but to be able to believe it in such a strong way that they put it out an email to the entire school just assuming i guess at that point that everyone's going to agree with them that everyone's going to go along with what they believe uh, which clearly was not the case um, and so just the amount of arrogance it must take to, to actually believe that and to think that that you know what's best. It's only uh, almost unimaginable. And it really, it shouldn't be about politics, really, in my view. I mean, I'm a conservative, but even, for instance, if there is something, if there's liberal parents and there's something that their kids are doing that maybe they wouldn't, um, wouldn't like, whatever that may be, you know, they should also be informed of things. It shouldn't really be about conservative and, and liberal. Ryan, I want to just give you a huge shout out. That is exactly right. And I can tell you from years of experience working nationally in education reform, there are more of us, whether we have an R, an I, a D, a whatever, after our names, as far as our political thoughts or viewpoints, um, we come from a diverse population. There are more of us that think this way and don't want this for our children than, than there are not. And that's important because we don't want to be um, exclusive to others. It takes a united voice in this place. And there is a lot more commonality than what we understand. It's just who's going to stand up and, and say the thing first because others will stand quickly once they don't feel like they're alone. They're afraid of the um, persecution and, and they're afraid of being um, censored and, and, and severed from their peer groups. But you're exactly right. I just really thank you for that.
And, right. and just to second what Nicole's saying, it, it's true. It's not a partisan issue. This is about the education of children and keeping families together, which is should be the priority of educators as well as physicians who take care of children. Um, and so I, I do want to second that and say thank you for bringing that up. Thank you. And also one thing when I was looking into this a little further, because this is, you know, like Steve was sharing earlier, it's, this is sort of new for us. When I grew up, you wouldn't, you wouldn't hear of somebody who was really a, a, a trans person or certainly never see someone like that. So this is sort of a new issue. You probably couldn't find a thousand people in the entire world, you know, 30 years ago um, or 50 years ago that was going through this. So it's sort of a new thing. And also when I was looking into it, just finding out just the amount of people who identify as trans who actually will attempt to kill themselves is what they claim is over 40 percent and i could be wrong on the number probably both of you know better than i do but it's a very high number um and sort of i think the other side sort of tries to use that as an excuse well because of that because of the fact that they will kill themselves the only, the only answer is to go ahead and just do whatever they want you have to give them drugs you have to give them surgery you have to identify them as the way they choose to be identified and i don't i think if, if there, for whatever reason the reason is whether it's this or something else, if a child has a 40% chance of trying to kill themselves, I would hope that they would want the parents to know about that. And they obviously, with regardless of which side of the fence you're on, they need lots and lots of intense counseling, good counseling, um, not just sort of going along with what they believe. N nothing else in life, you would just go along with what the person believes because they say they might kill themselves. It's, it's, it needs to be thought out. It needs to be carefully handled. Um, and even I did see one stat also that talked about teen girls in depression, specifically in 2011, 36% um, of girls would feel sad or hopeless, depressed. Now it's up to 57% in 2021 from 36 to 57%. It's, it's gone up for boys, but not nearly as much. It's gone up just 9% in that time for boys. Um, and a third of all teenage girls have seriously considered suicide. Um, and a lot of young boys are even more successful, I think. They, they don't do it as a high number, but they're more successful at it. So I think these issues do have real impact on people. It's not just a sort of side issue. Oh, it's just somebody wants to be identified as a certain way. You don't just wake up one day and say, hey, my life is really great. Everything's going good, but I'd be even more happy if I was the opposite gender. There's something very deep that's going on. There's a depression in there, a self-hatred or loathing. Something is going on that's causing that. Ryan, you're exactly right. So what's happening is that this fear is the promotion or used as a promotion to continue this ideology without actually investigating all the comorbidities that occur with this uh, transgender movement. So there are so many uh, children suffering from previous trauma, suffering from autism, suffering from other comorbid mental conditions. And these are not thoroughly investigated. As soon as the child or adolescent says, I identify as this, then there is a, a, a tactic to begin them on this, what I consider a conveyor belt, where they begin with now social affirmation, which is actually outside of this is what's occurring in the schools. It's outside of medicine. And then you begin now the road of puberty blockers. And once you're on that, the next step, cross-sex hormones and then surgeries. And once, once you begin that process and no one's there to halt it because parents 
are made to feel that if they do not go along with it, their child will likely commit suicide. That's a fear tactic because they're not investigating the underlying comorbidities of why this child is experiencing the situation or these feelings. That's right. And I know when you mentioned that, it, um, I did also find one thing in some of the research I did. It was It's a book by Hannah Barnes called Time to Think. Um, and it talks about sort of what you're explaining there a little bit that they, they come to it. They did a study and they found that 97.5%, almost 100% of children seeking sex changes had autism, depression, or other problems that might have explained their unhappiness. You got to really get, like you said, you got to get to the root of it and find out what's really going on, what's underneath it, what's what's behind it. You, you sort, you, it's almost like you don't even bother with any kind of a study or any kind of science. They just throw all that out the window, and you just kind of go along with whatever they want to do. And it's, it, it seems like it's not a, a recipe for success. Right, because there there is an agenda behind all of this, and so um, it, it just like we've seen in the past three years, there's not uh, any informed consent. Because if there were, one of the properties of informed consent is basically talking about alternative therapies, which is actually very important. And one of those alternative therapies is to do nothing, basically support the child. And if that were the case, 85 to 90 something percent of these children will be fine. If you can, if you support them as in a family and in a counseling situation through puberty, Right. And they, I think that you um, you probably have seen that study. I believe it's out of Canada from Toronto that talks about that exact same thing. If you just left the kids alone, by the time they're 18, 19, they would accept the gender that they were. They may still have problems and probably will in life and may still have um, difficulties. But if, if they just left alone, they're actually better off in a lot of cases and yes. what they're trying to do to help. And I think it's more than just an ideology. It's really become a new religion. This, this is a religion for the people that really are pushing this. It, and you can see it has all the earmarks of a religion. Um, and so they, they won't admit that. They won't say it's a religion, but I, I believe it. They have all the, the same passion, the same beliefs that almost they, they put aside any logic or anything that would go against what they believe. They don't want to hear it because they, their core religious belief says something else. They're not going to, some of these people are not going to change their mind on anything. Well, and that's what an ideology is as well. There's there's no discussion. There's only right. one way. That's right. So I just I, I want to bounce off of that just a little bit um, to to share um, a few thoughts of uh, what I see um, playing into it as well. Is that it's a lure for some students as this is a protected class, right? In particularly amongst some of the fe female students um, that are excluded for various reasons. I mean, I can think of one uh, student I know personally and love dearly as my own child. Um, she is not my own, but it's a friend of the family. And um, she is currently feels she's non-binary and um, has changed her name and you know, you, you look at the situation, she, she most likely has PCOS. She's very overweight. She doesn't fit in. She has a school telling her that her light skin makes her a hater. And um, what better thing to do than identify herself with a protected class? 
And um, I think a lot of these kids, they're, they're damaged by some of these other messages in society and they try to find a way to self-protect and this is one place they can do it. That's a, that's an excellent point. This is Steve again, um, because I, I've approached the, the school leadership with the same question. So what happens with that, that child that um, has low self-esteem, maybe afflicted with other, you know, comorbidities that, like we discussed, and they get sucked up into this, this transgenderism ideology, um, and, and they just keep going to the next step, to the next step, and there's nobody there to talk them out of the tree. There's nothing in this school policy. There are no pamphlets. There are no books. There, there's no information for students to see the other side and the ugliness of transgenderism and the harm that it does and the, the psychological, uh, the negative psychological effects that occur um, when you go through some of these processes. There's nothing there. There's no information. And everything about our school policy is affirmation. We affirm every child the second they speak up. We affirm them. We, we love bomb them. We, we um, encourage them and, and take them into the fold. And, and some of those kids, I fear, just get lost in that whole cult, as we're calling it. And uh, it, it's extremely sad. I, I fear for some of those kids that just don't have any guidance at home, maybe have a, a poor home life, and, and this is what, what they're left with, and it's, it's sad. Steve, you make a very good point because what's happening is that once these children or adolescents or even young adults who've gone through this process and this trauma um, come to a realization that at the end of all this, they're no better off or even worse off, the ideologues write them off because they no longer are good for their agenda really so and they're and it's they're whatever they come to when they come to that realization there is counter to the promotion of this so the love that was there is gone because it never was love in the first place it's utilizing children adolescents people as commodities and this um, medicalization and these surgical procedures, it's, it's a, in a financial industry. I mean, it's booming, right? So by 2030, there's supposedly going to be over $5 billion gained in profits from surgical procedures. Well, you get it's a lifelong client at that point. Because they're going to have to have follow-up treatments, and it's not just one surgery and done. I'm sure there's lots involved beyond that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, it that's staggering to think about that, that number and what that equates to and what will be suffering for the, for the children as they are transitioned into this, and then they are dumped because they're no longer of use and then their lives are left to pick up the shattered pieces. It, you know, we're already starting to see that happen. Parents that are coming out and saying, you know, I wish that I had never followed this path. Now my child is very harmed. And um, when we think about the shattered pieces of our society, we know that 
this is only going to cause more harm than good for for individuals and for us as a society. And um, as we're wrapping up today, I just want to step back for one moment to say this really surmounts in what our society's understanding is of love. Love does not do harm, but love tells the truth. And as we continue to devolve away from truth, we're going to see more and more harm done. Gentlemen, it has been an honor to have you with us today, and we would love an opportunity to follow up to hear more about your actions in the community and steps you've taken. Um, we just really appreciate your integrity and your leadership, and um, we pray blessings for you today, and we look forward to when we can meet again. Thank you for Great. joining us today on the Whistleblower Report from Truth for Health Foundation. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org. Join our crusade. We are silent no more. We urge you to sign up for our email alerts, donate to support our legal defense work to secure the human and civil rights secured by law, and to live our lives in accordance with the U.S. Constitution and God's truth. We are here to bring you hope and solutions for such a time as this. With all that is assaulting our way of life, join us and stand strong against the lies and deception and speak out, get loud, get involved. God bless you and thank you for joining us.